From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Monday, November 9th, 2020. With Ukiah ER doctor, Dr. Drew Colfax and Alicia Bales. Since the pandemic began, Dr. Colfax has done regular live updates for KZYX listeners on the latest news and numbers and answered questions from callers. Bad news on my TV screen, bad news on the magazines, bad news on the newspaper, bad news on the elevator, bad news on the street, bad news on my car, bad news on my feet, bad news out of the bar, all over my clothes. And good afternoon, this is Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax for the local coronavirus update here for Mendocino County. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm pretty fantastic, too. Anything happened recently? I I don't know. I no. haven't really been following the news. No news. Yeah. Yeah. No news. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the local coronavirus news is still pretty, pretty good. Um, I feel like we are on a beach watching a tsunami move toward us, and we all should be running, but we aren't. Um, we're hanging out in the red zone still. Barely. We're just sort of edging back up toward the purple uh, margins of the red zone, um, if you will. But we don't really have a lot of uh, hospitalized uh, patients right now, having been there the last uh, four or five nights. Um, I think there are only four people hospitalized currently in the county. Not seeing a lot of people come through the emergency room with uh, COVID. Seen a few. Um, a lot of people are getting rechecked uh, and make sure they're still okay with with a previous diagnosis. But we're not making a lot of new, not making a huge number of new diagnoses uh, through the ER right now. Um, so things are fairly stable in that sense. Um, and I'll get to the numbers in a minute. But the the national scene is um, fairly dire, um, to put it mildly. I think over the last week we've been averaging 110,000 cases a day. Uh, which is, it, it puts the July surge, um, you know, <laughs> into perspective. It's amazing. I it's mean, amazing to watch it. We break a record every day. It's like shattering the numbers. Yeah, the, the, the curve is really starting to go almost straight up again, or it is going straight up. Um, we've added a million cases in 10 days, if you can wrap your mind around that. Um, and we just crossed the 10 million uh, case count or confirmed case in this country um, in the last 24 hours. Um, and 10% of them have been in the last 10 days. So it's, you know, the the fall um, surge that we had been predicting and fearful for um, is definitely uh, upon us. It's not upon California yet, but if you look at the heat map, um, it's, it's in Nevada, it's in Idaho, um, and it's headed this way. So we're in red right now, um, but give us a couple weeks and it's going to be really bad around here, I'm afraid. Um, I, I hope to be wrong, um, but we'll see. Well, and that's strange because, as you just said, there's kind of it's crickets right now. There's not that many people hospitalized. You're not seeing people coming through the ER. Yeah, no, and it's I mean, and that's the that's the state in the in the state of California as well. I mean, we're we're trending upward a little bit both locally and in the state, um, but it's really not sort of the sheep the steep upward uh, curve that uh, we are seeing in places east of us. Um, and so, yeah, you know, whether 
you know, while we start moving down the tiers and getting more activities going, just as this wave is hitting us, I, I think it's going to be a, a pretty nasty convergence of uh, behaviors and um, epidemiology, frankly. Something to look forward to for the holidays. I know, right? I, yeah, the holidays. I mean, not to make light of it, but... I don't know. It's, yeah, you know, we're doing okay right now. Hospital capacity is fine. Um, you know, the things that we worried about early on in the pandemic are, you know, somewhat better. You know, testing is still in shambles, as we're seeing in this county in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, PPE is marginal, um, but, you know, adequate for healthcare providers. Um, but, you know, it's, it's still a fairly deadly disease. The death curve is trending upward. As we know, that's a lagging indicator. It lags by about two weeks. Um, and the seven-day average is about 900 right now um, nationally. So, you know, we're losing, you know, almost 1,000 people a day from this pandemic, which I think is about two to three times more than the number of people dying in a daily basis in World War II. So put that uh, into perspective. And, you know, it, it really calls for um, some sort of organized national uh, policy. Policy, which we will get perhaps, um, but not until the end of January, and that's going to be way too late for many of us. Yeah, we've got kind of two things that um, are looming out in the future as we sit on our beach here in the red. <laughs> one is this vaccine that was announced today, and one is the Biden administration getting ready to take the reins of of COVID policy. And I just think about how many people we can keep not sick <laughs> how many people we can keep from getting this thing before then because it seems like we have something to aim for we have something to aim for i mean the news uh on the vaccine from pfizer was quite good it was a press release and i'm not a big fan of you know medicine by press release um I, i'm pretty sure they're one of the signatories to the agreement to not <laughs> release press releases on um, back in i think it was late august early september uh but it was i you know fairly important news and i i think they just decided to pull the trigger on it but the vaccine um big study forty-four thousand late third phase um 44,000 people involved um, they gave half a placebo and half this vaccine, and then they had to wait for people to get coronavirus. Um, and, you know, somewhat um, morbidly, uh, since cases are surging worldwide, they got enough cases fairly quickly um, to From allow... the people who had the placebo... For, no, well, people who got it, period. Uh-huh. So they needed enough people in the study, period, um, to be able to get statistical meaningful data um and they got to that number probably a bit faster certainly a bit faster than they had anticipated just because so many people are getting the virus right now um, but it appears to work quite well over 90 percent efficacy um, which is extremely good for this type of vaccine it's up there with some of the childhood uh, immunizations uh, much better than the flu shot that uh, works you know marginally well or moderately well depending on the year um, so that's quite encouraging but it's still not finalized um, it is a mRNA or messenger RNA based vaccine, which means it needs to be kept extremely cold um, up until administration. So this is really a first world vaccine. Um, it needs to be kept around 80, 80 degrees below zero Celsius. Um, and so that's going to have huge um, supply chain implications. Um, and obviously, the question is, how many doses can they manufacture? And right now, they're talking about 20 million by the end of December, um, 20 million um, uh, treatments, so 40 million uh, doses. It's a two-shot two uh, two vaccine. 
But it is quite good. It's quite encouraging. It's just, you know, being uh, weaponized. It's still, we're talking February, March, before we start to actually see this administered to a sufficiently large number of people in this country. Can we get all the healthcare workers and all the teachers first? I think healthcare workers um, are certainly high on the priority list. Um, the CDC actually has a fairly rational um, plan, and it's, it's um, somewhat concerning that I have to characterize the CDC plan as fairly rational, but that's kind of where they've dug themselves in the last eight months um, in terms of distribution of vaccines and creating priority uh, lists. So it's going to be healthcare workers, first responders, um, and then the most vulnerable people, um, minority people, um, and elderly are all going to be very high on that list. Um, I don't think teachers are going to be in the first wave of vaccination. So, but I've been talking for a while and we haven't even gotten to the county numbers. I know. It's a skill. Well, you know what? A lot has happened. So (laughs) let's talk about what's happening locally. So locally, um, our numbers are still ticking along. Uh, We have 1,231 cases in the county. Uh, We are adding uh, about six and a half cases. cases per 100,000 per day. Um, So that translates to about five a day on average over the last week. Uh, 32,495 total tests, 1,300 and change are pending. Uh, Our positivity is still hovering around three and three quarters. Uh, Really hasn't changed uh, much at all. And as I mentioned, only four people hospitalized, uh, nobody in the ICU, so nobody critically ill, just people requiring supplemental oxygen primarily. Um, Sonoma County and the surrounding counties are about the same. California in general is trending upward slightly, but our curve is only slightly um, upcurved uh, versus, you know, states further east of us, which are really looking like a, you know, a an F-18 going straight up. I mean, some of these lines are just terrifying. And hospitals are really, you know, losing their uh, capacity. I mean, they are just overwhelmed um, in the upper Midwest. Um, there's just not enough hospital beds to take care of the people there. So it, it's, I think, very scary out there right now. Yeah, we're seeing that uh, really, really hitting rural rural communities in america yeah and you know we we have this recurring fantasy that we're exceptional um in the rural areas and i i think we learned that we're not um but back in you know april may june uh we're like well this is a rural county this isn't new york city it's not going to be as bad here and what we've seen over and over again is these these fantasies of exceptionalism just don't apply to this virus i mean we there was a hope that it would fade away during the summer and it didn't uh there was a hope that it wouldn't really hit the rural areas and it did um and there was the fear uh that it would come back in the fall and lo and behold it is coming back in the fall in a very real way so it's it's just still, uh, it's, it's still pretty overwhelming, frankly. Um, I hope uh, that we continue to be smart about this, particularly in the state of California, but I think there's a lot of pressure to reopen schools uh, right when this wave is going to be hitting us. So if I were a teacher or a principal or a parent, I would think long and hard about sending my kid back to school for a week just to see things shut back down again. Um, It's, you know, that's further disruption for um, the kids. And frankly, if I were a principal or a school board, I would be continuing to put resources into remote learning because i think that's where we're going to have to stay for the foreseeable future Mm -hmm. well there's there is some pressure on schools i think because part of the dynamic of being in the red is that if we from from the purple tier into the state's red tier um if we open up schools during the red tier and we go back into the purple tier schools can 
stay open. Right. And so schools will stay open, but it, they're not going to stay open safely if there are a lot of cases popping up all over in, in the schoolyard. Um, and so that's going to create this dynamic where whole classrooms are going to have to be quarantined or isolated um, if we're running, you know, at, you know, 15, 20, 30 cases a day in the right. county. And so that's going to create this incoherent, chaotic schooling situation um, that I just, I don't know how that's going to work, frankly. Um, and maybe maybe the people who are in charge of this have just decided to go for it and they think that they have adequate um, policies in place. We certainly don't have the adequate testing um, that we would need to sort of screen everybody on a recurring basis um, with a high degree of uh, penetration. So I just... It's concerning. Um, I understand that there's a lot of costs to this. Um, there's a cost to children's education, obviously. There's cost to business. But, you know, one thing that seems to be lost in all the noise around this is really the best way to get this um, cost under control, all of the costs of this coronavirus under control, particularly around education, um, you know, less critically in my assessment around um, businesses, um, is to get the virus under control. And we don't get it under control by opening things up, particularly particularly as this fall wave is hitting us. And we've had a couple of other sort of high-profile COVID incidents in the county. We've got uh, an outbreak at Juvenile Hall in Mendocino County, one inmate, or I guess one juvenile, one yes. kid, yes. Uh, and five staff members have tested positive. And I just checked in with the county just now. There's no news about uh, any further positive cases from their surveillance testing that they're doing over there. But um, six cases is a lot to have it at a... Uh, at a congregate living situation, which it's, Juvenile Hall is. It's it's it, it's concerning. It's quite good that it has been so well contained. I think that bespeaks um, the policies that they had in place to present, prevent spread. Um, and, you know, hopefully they continue to test and come back with a lot of negative results yeah, there because it definitely. is, as we've learned, a very high-risk uh, environment. And then the other thing that happened today is that two two cases of some sort we don't know some sort of exposures have shut down the mendocino county courthouses so the one in fort bragg and the one in ukiah are both shut down for the week they'll be opening next monday all proceedings are being rescheduled so how do you get a, a so this is a good week trial? to get a jury summons yeah, really, yeah. exactly yeah. exactly um and the other thing is it's cold and the cold weather, you've been predicting that we're all going to run inside. It's going to be raining this weekend, and um, cases are going to go up. I, I I think so. I mean, it, it's it's certainly the, the prediction of epidemiologists. It's not something that, uh, you know, we don't have any reason it's going to behave differently. Um, we're certainly seeing that throughout the country where it is quite cold already. Um, and, you know, it's just, it likes the indoors. Uh, the virus loves to spread indoors, and anything indoors is really the, the root of transmission is what we've learned. You know, we had all this anxiety about groceries and mail and touching cars and driving down the street next to somebody who had their windows rolled down, etc. That's not it. It's staying inside uh, for more than 15 minutes around somebody who is exhaling uh, the virus. Um, and, you know, it's it's not just the six feet uh, droplets. It's an aerosolized um, uh, route of transmission that lingers in the air. So putting a bunch of kids into a classroom means if one of those kids has COVID, very soon many of them could. Now, the good news is still 
kids don't get too sick from this. Um, I've seen more than a few kids, and they are less sick um, with COVID than they are with the flu, um, you know, significantly. The bad news is teachers do, um, right. and, you know, and grandparents do, yeah. um, yep. and aunts and uncles do. So it's, it's not just the children. It's, you know, everybody who comes in contact with them. All right. Well, Shall we? Uh, we probably should. Open I've been talking for you know, 15, 20 minutes. Okay, yeah. this is the local coronavirus update here on KZYX. Dr. Drew Colfax is here. I'm Alicia Bales, engineering here in the studio. And we're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines at 895-2448 to get live on the air. That's 707-895-2448. And if you've got any comments or questions uh, for Dr. Colfax about the local coronavirus situation or the, the national coronavirus uh, landscape that we're looking at. Uh, give a call, 707-895-2448. Landscape. It reminds me of four-season landscaping oh, in Philadelphia. Don't. You're going to make me start laughing, <laughs> and I will never stop. It is our best and our brightest leading our country right now, folks. You should all rest assured. <laughs> Four Seasons Landscaping. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Okay. I want to be very brief and just gently cut me off if I'm going on because it's me. <laughs> I'm trying to control my talking. I had to go to L.A. to say goodbye to my dying 104-year-old mother. I was shocked at so many people, even on the airplane, until the stewardess told them that aren't wearing masks or having their noses hanging out. Uh, So I came back and got a COVID test right away yesterday at RCMS. When I left a couple weeks ago, uh, UCSF had cut RCMS loose. So now they give me a letter that says if they're going to call me and tell me I'm positive, they don't call you if you're negative, right? Generally not, correct. That is correct, It says on here, it says if we have not called you by the 18th, I had the test yesterday, the uh, 8th, it won't get to UCSF lab until Wednesday, the 11th. I don't know why that takes so long. But then it says if you do not receive a call by November 18th, you are, you are considered to have a, quote, presumptive negative test. So that's a little iffy. But I guess presumptive negative means negative as much as they can tell you, right? That's correct, yes. Okay. So I ended up in the emergency room. And can uh, this is two real quick non-COVID questions, but I'm scared because I was in a ho- major hospital, UCLA, and came up three days, four days later. And uh, anyway, it's way bigger than you guys want to hear about on the radio. But Dr. Colfax, I need to ask you this. They cannot give you a pneumonia shot without your permission because they don't know if you already had one. Am I right? Uh, generally, uh, healthcare providers don't do anything without patient p- permission. Okay, well, they gave me an MRI. Now, aren't they supposed to give me something in writing that they found during the MRI? Um, typically, I mean, if you're in the emergency room, somebody will give you discharge paperwork. In general, they don't give you any uh, of the tests that have been performed in the department. Those have to be um, obtained subsequently once they are collated and finalized. Okay, then I need to contact them, and hopefully they've had me sign. I, I, I missed a lot of days, and I think okay, I had some I'm brain gonna, damage, I'm and it was really bad. I'm going to cut you off here because we do want to okay. keep the focus on I'm COVID. saying sorry to the whole world, so please <laughs> forgive me, everybody. <laughs> okay, thank you for I the call. I need human support right now, and, and, and I love you all. Hang in there. And, and really, again, I, as long as you're feeling okay, 
um, waiting for a negative or a presumptive negative test um, to uh, come back either by letter or by t- passage of time is fine. As long as you're asymptomatic, um, don't don't sweat the details. You can get tested again in another five days if you want. Um, two negative tests after those type of travel experiences um, might not be unreasonable. It would allay your anxiety, I suspect, but it really isn't going to change how, you know, how you're going to do one way or the other. All right. Thanks for that. And yes, it is kind of breathtaking when you get out on the road and see what's what's going on out there, not in Kansas anymore. Um, all right, caller, you Hello. are on the air. Hello. Hi. Uh, I was going to, I wanted to ask Dr. Colfax what kind of skin manifestations he's seen with COVID. I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit there. Skin? Yes. Yeah, so... What kind of germ stuff are you seeing? Yeah, so, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about COVID toes just because it's it sounds so cute. Um, I haven't actually seen that. I, I believe that exactly one emergency room provider has seen uh, the acral paranosis or the COVID toes um, that is associated with this. What I have seen is sort of a viral rash occasionally, um, sort of the fine red rash that you can develop with any sort of flu or viral eruption. That tends to be a little bit more prevalent in children than adults and that is um, no different with COVID than it is with any other viral illness. And that's really all we've seen. Um, it's it's a pretty non-specific finding. It's, I haven't seen it um, in a significant minority of patients. It's, it's been very sporadic indeed. Thank you. All right. Thanks, caller. All right. It's 895-2448. The phone lines are lighting up so let's take another oh, it call. has been a week whoops good afternoon caller you're live on the air caller good afternoon caller you're live on the air thank you uh, my name is Agnes and I've I've heard that viruses actually can spread out with the meaning of uh, controlling the overpopulation I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't quite follow your, your comment. It's, I've heard from somebody on the radio that the virus, uh, in this case, the, you know, that, that the virus can actually start activating and spreading out just with the goal of controlling the overpopulation. Um, okay, so... No, um, the virus is, a virus is, you know, it's doing what it does uh, quite well. It is replicating its um, RNA. It's not a DNA virus. It's an RNA-based virus. And viruses are really just um, genetic replication machines. Um, it really doesn't have a target. It doesn't have a goal. Um, and it is simply exploiting the human um, body for replicating its RNA. And it's quite good at that. Um, it's well-evolved and well-situated to do it. And we are largely naive hosts that that are fueling this. And so the more fuel that we throw on this fire, the more uh, fuel that the, uh, that the virus has to replicate. Um, so it doesn't, I, 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 I strongly urge people to not get through too anthropomorphic around this virus um and you know whether you know whether you want to go down sort of the conspiracy wormhole that this is uh population control that the government is um intentionally mismanaging i think is misguided as well so you know it certainly is 
um, having a significant effect. There are about 1.2 million deaths worldwide. The United States is still at about 20% of the deaths worldwide with 4% of the world's population. Um, but that number of deaths is still relatively low when you compare it to other diseases such as malaria or tuberculosis. Now, those diseases don't exist too much in this country, so it doesn't tend to get a lot of attention. Uh, but we, you know, worldwide, we lose a million people to uh, malaria and to tuberculosis each every year. And, you know, I'm not here on the radio every day talking about the daily or the weekly tuberculosis uh, update. Yeah, and when we start talking about population control, especially with pandemics that usually hit the most disadvantaged and uh, people of color in our communities and around the world disproportionately, then we start to go into some very, very dark places. The virus is not here because we did something wrong or overpopulated the, the world. It's here because it's a virus and we experience viruses and pandemics as a species. It's one of the most uh, th- the most normal things for the human species to experience is a pandemic. So. Well, you know, it, it's... It is doing well because we are so populous, um, but it, it's not it's not intentional in any sort of way or by design, certainly. Um, but, you know, the, the, the human density uh, on the globe is quite high, and our uh, disruption of ecosystems is certainly contributing to how viruses like this are able to uh, jump species. Don't and get me started. Us. Let's change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for the call. It brought up some interesting points. Yes. Actually, yes, we'll talk about it at some point, but let's move on right now. We've got time for one more call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. um, Well, I'll take us back into the light. My question has to do, of course, with the the impact of a Biden administration on uh, addressing the pandemic. And um, and maybe it's not so much what will happen, because I have a, a pretty good feel for that, you know, that public health will finally come back into vogue. But I've been trying to figure out is, you know, how quickly and how immediate, you know, we could see a change and how that will ripple down to the locality. I'll take a, take your answer off the, off the air. Thanks Great so much. question. Thank yeah, you. Th- that is sort of the question that a lot of us are asking right now. And, you know, we, we still have, you know, two and a half more months of the current administration, uh, which is a long long time if we're running 100 to 130 cases a day in the 130 to 130,000 cases a day in this country you know that that could yeah that could continue to climb i'm afraid our death rate is going to climb for the next 3 months vaccines are becoming more and more tangible but they need to be administered and we need you know 100 to 200 million doses um, before we start to see a significant effect, and uh, that's that's going to take a while. Whether you know whether that is under the uh, supervision of the current administration or the Biden administration, I do anticipate um, using words like science um, and application of um, expert recommendations rather than um, you know, mocking um, mask wearing, etc. So I I anticipate that we will quickly move toward a more coherent national policy um, the end of January. But we're going to be pretty deep in the weeds between now and then. Um, And we're certainly not going to have significant vaccine rollout uh, by then. So it's going to, frankly, continue on through, you know, most of the winter before we start to see some uh, significant movement on this. Well, can that be an inspiration for us to just hold on? 
I we've think got, so. We've got I mean, an end in sight here, I, at least of some part of this. This has been going on since, you know, in, in a significant way since the end of February. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we're closing in on vaccines. It's going to take a while to get them. Our treatment has improved. We have not been overwhelmed in the state of California in terms of hospitals or health care provision. So we are, you know, we are starting to see the end of the road on this. It's just still a fair amount of highway between here and there. Um, you know, whether Biden uh, can significantly turn things around quickly, I kind of doubt it. But at least it's going to allow for some more rational discourse on this. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. We have the uh, youth arts program coming up with Savannah Gibson at 3.30. That's part of our um, internship for youth programming and also for youth outreach around COVID as well. She's part of that program. So we're going to make way for Savannah Gibson's show at 3.30, which is just in about one minute. But I want to thank everybody for calling in. Thanks for uh, staying engaged with us. Light at the end of the tunnel is actually really good news for us. <laughs> and thanks, Dr. Yeah. Colfax, for being here. Of course. I'll be All back right, Wednesday. So we'll be back Wednesday uh, at three, from 3 to 3.30, taking your calls here on the local coronavirus update. Wednesday is also the beginning of our flash drive, which is going to be our short pledge drive. You can do that now or you can do that uh, on Wednesday. But we're in the middle of a quiet drive right now. The quiet right? drive will last for two more days until Wednesday. Uh, so we'll be in here asking for your support and your memberships. And in the meantime, have a good day, everybody. And we'll be back with you on Wednesday. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.